Welcome back to the 16th Street Scanner. I'm AJ Hecht. That's Tyler Page. Tyler, how are we doing? Doing good, AJ. Just uh, coming off uh, back-to-back races for me, watching F1 Australian Grand Prix and then uh, PPG 375. So, yeah, big race well, day for me. I, I didn't catch the, the Australian GP, but uh, the PPG 375 at Texas Motor Speedway, um, that was a thriller. Uh, if you didn't catch it, Joseph Newgarden... One um, crazy side-by-side racing for pretty much the last hundred laps or so. Um, kind of came from behind, caught up to Pato Award, who had a rocket ship through the entire middle stint of the race. Um, and again, after St. Pete ends up in second place, kind of tough, tough finish for him. But uh, Tyler, I just want to know what you thought of that. Um, yeah, so I was watching it and you can't take your eyes off uh for a second because at any point it felt like there were you know four people racing for the lead Mm -hmm. uh and all just uh shimmying around i don't know if that's a word but (laughs) you know they're they're fighting for that first place and it felt really exciting um Mm -hmm. you know it was uh miles apart from racing that i'm used to watching Mm -hmm. uh so definitely different were you tense throughout i mean i was tense but i'm curious if if you got that feeling too definitely tense but not like to the point where it's like i'm watching uh because i don't i don't really care about who wins at this point um (laughs) yeah yeah like i don't know enough to care about that but like Mm -hmm. still tense because it's good racing um so i you know if we're trying to put it on a scale somewhere i'm probably on the more tense side but not like a 10 out of 10 (laughs) <laughs> okay um, what do you make of oval racing in general this is the first oval race of the year i know we watched last week for last week's episode we rewatched the 2022 race at texas um but like first live texas race uh in the oval racing in general uh i thought you know there were times during the broadcast that nothing to do with the race but the broadcast itself where i was like okay i uh you know i have a chance to go to the bathroom or something mm-hmm. Because they, one of the broadcasts I was watching, they would go to do a picture in picture mm-hmm. and then they would sometimes cut straight to commercial. Um, but it felt like most of the time there was a lot of commercials, like a lot more than St. Pete. Oh, um, yeah. And I don't know why. Uh, I, I don't know either. I think they definitely front loaded them. Like there were a ton at the beginning yeah. um, and it didn't seem like there were hardly any breaks in the second half, at least. Or I'm sure there were a few, but... That last stretch, that stretch run, last 50 laps or so, I, I was pretty satisfied. I'd much rather they pack them all in at the beginning and we get to see everything coming down the to the stretch. Yeah, That's so, fair. I don't know I mean, the strategy. I 
I literally have no idea. It's got to be hard figuring out how to make money out of that. But it's just something I noticed. I, I was interested in the race uh, itself. Um, mm-hmm. And that was that's my complaint. Show me the race. Uh, <laughs> they did the same thing. Fox Sports did the same thing uh, for the Sox. Uh, or Fox Sports, sorry, mm-hmm. did the same thing for the Sox uh, season opener where they yeah. had Oscar Colas going for his first major league at bat. And they put him in a corner on the screen. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just the reality of American television. I think, I mean, especially for something like IndyCar, that's kind of in its own niche that can't really command something like the mm. the attention and the money, like football can, like, it's just not gonna, and it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't have the luxury of a sport like football or even baseball where you have automatic breaks built in and like even breaks. I mean, you saw today yellow flag, people are still stopping you know, mm-hmm. it's laps are still counting. Um, so it's it just sucks. Like I wish I wish every race could be like F one broadcast where we're just watching the the British broadcast <laughs> and someone's paying for it. I just IndyCar doesn't have that. I mean, I'd love a premium subscription where I can pay to watch the race without commercials. Uh, there, there is um it's called IndyCar Live and it is I think only for international. Like get a VPN. Maybe now's the time. Allegedly. Um, yeah. Well, IndyCar <laughs> Live, maybe I'll be coming to you soon. Uh, but overall, you know, it's still exciting. Uh, the the joke's still out there, you know, going to turn left. Oh, then mm-hmm. I'm going to turn left. Uh, but it's certainly much more than that, especially when uh, it for me, it seems like a couple of the crashes are just guys getting, I, I don't know why, but like if they're getting caught in a groove or they're going up at a higher grade and mm-hmm. then just lose control. Um, it, it's just that they're running that close to the edge. Like they're it, it's that fine of a line between going fast and wrecking. Mm-hmm. And it's when you think about that, that these guys are doing 250 laps at that limit. It's insane to me. And I don't know if that does that come across to you at all. I have to visualize it. Uh, you know, it's yeah. not as uh, maybe it's the camera angles because a lot of them are overhead shots and stuff like that yeah. versus uh, like I, even at the, the road race uh, in St. Pete, like they had some good shots of like the cars just zipping by mm-hmm. uh, to give paint that picture for you. Um, yeah. I mean, I have no idea what 200 miles an hour feels like. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's hard for me to totally understand, but mm-hmm. I can conceptually get it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do feel like Townsend Bell and James Hinchcliffe do and Lee Diffie kind of do the, you know, the TV broadcasters. I do feel like they do a good job of kind of portraying emotionally and like the how extreme it actually is. I think they do have that energy that helps that come across, but like you still don't, you know, there's just a little wiggle. I, I know there was at one point Malukas wiggled coming out of four and tons of balls. Like, Whoa. <laughs> and like, it doesn't look like anything really, but you know, he, like yeah. he knows how crazy that feels. So it does help knowing like this guy realizes it's crazy, but yeah. Or it's like watching someone fight understeer yeah. in comparison, you know, it's like, okay, how do you even go about that? You know, yeah. uh, and it looks dangerous, even though it's subtle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, what did you make of like the all the onboard clips? So like, especially at the end there with Pato and, and Newgarden kind of side by side all the way around. I loved it. Um, yeah. I mean, it just shows there was one at one point where they almost touched and it was like, holy shit, this whole mm-hmm. thing or sorry, holy crap, this whole thing just, uh, you know, almost went up in smoke. 
Uh, and then, you know, of course, Grosjean has to be behind them doing something wrong. I, yeah. I'm getting sick of Grosjean. Uh, I'm so not a fan either. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't really not like him before. Like, I, I was okay with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more races I'm watching that he's in, I'm like, this doesn't make any, uh, like, <laughs> I don't know. You're in eighth place. Just make sure you stay competitive and, yeah. you know. He probably he's a little too risky sometimes for me. Yeah. I mean, he was like that in F1 too. At least yeah. that's my memory. I mean, it's been a while since he's been in F1, but that's kind of my memory of, of him um, in F1. But yeah, it, that was the only thing wrong with this race today. In my opinion, is that they didn't get to run all the way to the checkered flag. Cause we did kind of get robbed of a great classic Texas finish, which is unfortunate, but I, I don't, I don't know if I've told you this, but Texas, th- this is one of my favorite races every year and it's been a bummer because it's been kind of a dud the last not last year but you know maybe the last five years or so before that there were some good like strategy races where tires were falling off and there was just a huge difference between fresh and old tires that made things interesting but one of my formative IndyCar memories is sitting on the back porch at my grandparents house June like middle of the summer June July whenever it was Eddie Cheever, Greg Ray, Scott Sharp. It was a very similar scenario where it's just three cars all packed together, very close racing, edge of your seat stuff. We were all sitting out there at night, screen and porch, watching this race. And maybe two or three laps left. Greg Ray dives down underneath a lap car and clips the lap car and comes up and like T bones Eddie Cheever Jr. and Man, we just went nuts. Like we, all, the whole family was out there. We were just screaming. It was, and it's one of my favorite races of all time. I always think about that whenever I think about Texas. And man, it was just fun to see another race like that there. I was thrilled. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like you said, it would have been nice to see him finish, but mm-hmm. it was still, I don't think, I imagine the finish is just going to be more of the same, just fighting, trading places, going back and forth. And, yeah. you know, yeah, it doesn't get much better. You no. had like, well, you were going to squeeze one more lap out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and there were so many back in the early IRL days. There were so many races that ended like that, where it was side by side racing throughout the last 25, 50 laps or whatever. And then it came down to a pet, like a, you know, photo finish, essentially mm-hmm. like two guys at the line side by side matter of inches. Um and yeah, that's that's the only thing we missed out on today is that potential. But yeah. Oh well, it was good enough. Yeah, it was pretty good, man. I mean, you can't you can't ask for it all. I it, I mean it it'll be hard to top that race this year. Like that yeah. might be the best thing we watch all year. Um, yeah, I can see that. Which kind of sucks that it's this early in the season. I do kind of think Texas used to be the last race of the year. They used to have the championship deciding race here every year. And it would be cool to have it back there again. I think that would help it get some momentum again, too. Just yeah. I don't don't know if it can routinely produce that kind of quality race. Then I, why not tap that, you know, even two times uh, schedule. Yeah. And I I don't know if you saw the the crowd. I mean, it wasn't spectacular. Mm -hmm. And back in the day, they used to get huge crowds there. So, what are people that... in Texas doing other than any car? Yeah, uh, barbecuing, uh, roping cattle, 
uh, drilling for oil. That's all I can think of. Well, tell them to get out there, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, it's like, uh, you know, give away the free tickets and sell the beer. Yeah. Well, (laughs) what we were talking about last time with the, (laughs) the, the vape brands, I mean, that used to be literally the, the The, tobacco companies were just handing out tickets, basically getting people in the door. (laughs) Big vape needs to step up. Yeah. Come on views. They need to know you're bad for people. Probably, but <laughs> well, you're good for IndyCar, and that's what matters, man. Oh man, what'd you make of the um Kyle Kirkwood Alexander Rossi incident on pit lane? So yeah, that, I did want to talk about pit stops, yeah. uh, because pit stops in F, sorry, pit stops in IndyCar are just so much better than pit stops in F1. Yeah, um, all around, like, yeah, obviously you have the two lane pit lane, or is that how? Correct my wording if I'm using wrong verbiage, but you have like the two lane pit lane. And then mm-hmm. uh, from my understanding, it seems like everyone should be, if you're going to pit, you know, if you're, you should be in that left lane uh, and watching for people to get released. Well, so there's the two lanes, like you said, the middle lane is more of like a blend lane. Like, if you're pulling out of your box, if you're pulling in, you should be in that middle lane and, you know, come out or come out into that lane and then move over into the far right lane or move left into your pit box. And then when you come out, do the same thing. Um, But like you can't just as soon as you get into pit lane, you can't just camp out in that left lane until you get to your pit box. So like you still have to be in that right lane and then move over at some point. Mm-hmm. And then duck into your pit box. So, I don't, well, what do you know? What do you think? Like, do do you think it was Rossi's fault? Do you think it was Kirkwood's fault? Um. So I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was Rossi's fault at first. Um. Well, and I, I should clarify before we continue that Rossi did get penalized for for the incident. Oh, he did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it Kirkwood... didn't really matter because he was a couple laps down anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so sorry, go ahead. No, but uh I definitely uh at first I thought it was uh Rossi's fault, but then I saw Kirkwood uh or I saw I saw the on cam and it seems like there's nothing he really could do. Uh <laughs> Rossi uh, you're saying? Yeah, because Rossi's pulling in, right? Rossi's pulling out. Pulling out. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's Rossi's fault. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Kirkwood uh like from his field of view, he had already kind of pulled in and they were, it looks like they just released Rossi, uh, without yeah. looking, um, <laughs> you yeah. know, or it, it's probably really hard to do, right. You have to like, look, see whose number it is. Yeah. Imagine it in your head, whose number is behind you or whatever. Like, I mean, that's your job, right. Yeah. But you know, they gotta, they gotta get it together. Cause that was, that was rough. Yeah. I mean, it sucks for Rossi, but I mean, ultimately, yeah, I agree. It was his fault. I mean, if I, I think in, I think this is why he got penalized is I think in the rule book, it's written as it's the releasing cars responsibility to not run out into traffic basically. Well, and like, like when you're backing out out of a parking stall. Yeah, right? exactly. Or like, like merging onto the highway. It's the same yeah. thing. Like it's 
It's as as much as I get mad at people who like don't move over for me mm-hmm. when I'm trying to merge on to, you know, I 80 or whatever. It's technically like my responsibility to fit in somewhere. And it's the same thing. So I don't know. I people on Twitter were kind of upset about that. But I felt like um, I felt like uh, Kirkwood kind of did what I did the other day on the highway where it's like, oh, there's my exit. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and then like you cross over the yellow lines because you're like, oh, if I miss this, it's going to be 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I understand, you know, I understand mm-hmm. where you're coming from. Uh, but Kirkwood, I think it it's definitely could he have slowed down? Could he have gotten over sooner? Because he really looks like he just <laughs> all, all, like breaks super hard and then yeah. pull in, which you got to do. But I don't know. I don't know. It's it's weird because, yeah, you, Rossi's guy doesn't know. Like the the right front tire changer doesn't know exactly where everyone is along pit lane and when they're moving over. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's not like Rossi pulled out and Kirkwood pulled into him, you know, like just yeah. turned right into him. It was they they were kind of going for the same real estate at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't feel like super strongly that like it was an unsafe release or whatever. But um, I think it was just unfortunate circumstances. And the rules say that that's Rossi's fault and then I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is an unsafe release, right? Cause you got guys sitting on the. Yeah. The well, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, Anytime the, cars the, are running into each other with yeah. like a hundred guys, five feet away. Yeah. Not great. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, I was very excited about all the pit stops. Uh, mm-hmm. like, uh, this race uh, just because it's so much more impactful in terms of strategy mm-hmm. than f1 like i'm used to like f1 being like oh we got this done in you know mm-hmm. 3.5 seconds or whatever and yeah. we got this done in 4.5 yeah like i don't know um the- like for pato award it didn't really matter he's just gonna fly uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it was uh which is interesting because i don't know there's just a lot going on he's got the same car how is he going it's just uh strats it yeah it, it's it's set up and and strategy and yeah he just nailed it and unfortunately not he didn't nail it enough <laughs> what, to win the race but what are what like because they were talking about his fuel for so long uh-huh. um what is good fuel strategy or like what are different fuel strategies because i have no idea well so, so that this is where it's different from F1, obviously, because you don't refuel in F1, but there's always like a minimum amount of stops you have to make in an IndyCar race because you have to refuel. You can't run the whole race on one, you know, like you do in F1. You're not running the whole race on one tank of gas, essentially. Mm. So there's always going to be that minimum. And 90% of the time, it's the strategy is to like minimize, like get as close to that minimum number of stops as you can. Mm. Obviously, that that's not always the winning strategy. And I mean, you saw that today, like sometimes new tires is better than, you know, one last pit stop. Um, and it just kind of depends on the track and the tire dag and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I, I think for me, it's just that that there's like that minimum number that you're, you're always going to have to stop so many times. And I think that's what makes it so much more important mm. is that like you can stop however many times you want in F1 if you know, like if you just want new tires, you can stop for new tires, you know? Yes. Yeah. I think it's, and it's just that variable that there's a much bigger variety of strategy options too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's an, like an efficiency 
and real time decision making going on. Yeah. Um, it seems like it's I'm sure they have plans, right? You always hear about that in F1 on the radio. Yeah. Plan A, plan B, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh it feels like you can't I feel like you can't plan for IndyCar as much as you could. No, well, especially on ovals too. Yeah, like, it, it's a totally different ball game, and it becomes so much more important because if you stop, you're going a lap or two down, and if you stop at the wrong time and you get caught out by a yellow, your race is over. So, yeah. you like you have to be very specific and calculated with when you stop, and you know if you want to take tires. If I mean most. Most occasions, it's it's longer to fill a tank than it is to change tires. So pretty much any time guys are stopping, unless it's the very end of the race and they just need a splash of fuel mm-hmm. and it's under green, like they're always going to take tires. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> it's just more interesting. It's just a bigger variable. Yeah, it's something I was certainly thinking about because they're like, oh, you know, he's really pushing. He's really pushing. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, just, I don't know. It was. I didn't know what to make of it because I'm like, oh, let him let him ride. He's the driver. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, that's part of the the challenge of it is if you can run as hard as you want, and there's no guarantee that that will be faster than stopping one less time. I mean, there's there was I think it was 2018 at Mid Ohio. Um, there were like two different. It was I think it was three stop and four stop, four stop or something, and. Alexander Rossi was the only one who went with the three stop strategy because it was like very, it was very specific that you could maybe go thirty. It was like a 90 lap race and you could go 30 laps max on a tank of fuel. Like if you saved as much as you could under green flag racing and like ran a competitive pace and he hit that mark, like he got exactly 30, like broke it down into, you know, whatever, two or three stops Mm -hmm. and he won by like 20 seconds. And like he was the only one that was able to manage it. Like people, other drivers tried it, other teams tried it and bailed because they couldn't hit the number. And like there's other occasions where guys try and go for the 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 fewer number of stops and don't it doesn't pan out. So it's yeah. just it's a gamble and that's fun. I don't know. Like to, to, if do I want to do one or two stops in F one isn't like that interesting, no. you know? Yeah, there's just a lot more variables going on. Uh, yeah. Like you said, and I don't know, like any, like I know, like half of the strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, especially on ovals, it feels very foreign. Uh, yeah, because it is just so different. And I mean, I don't watch NASCAR at all, mm-hmm. um, but I know they run ovals there. They have, yeah. um, and maybe if I was coming at it from that perspective, I might have a better understanding. But it's still something I'll probably need to research. Uh, well- NASCAR is even crazier because they'll do like, do I want to take four tires or do I want to take two tires? <laughs> <laughs> like they'll do left sides or right sides or they'll do all four. It's NASCAR is a completely different world. It's like IndyCar is a step down from NASCAR strategy. It's in the <laughs> NASCAR. They literally have gas cans that they like. It's not like a rig like it is. In IndyCar. <laughs> like There's it. two guys out or a guy out there with a gas can just plugging it in yeah. the side and then has to pass I've back seen... and get the other one. And yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it. I remember uh, watching it on TV somewhere, but I remember being like, Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there were, it's just wild to me. There were, you know, 20 plus lead changes in this race. Mm-hmm. And like in most of the other, in most of formula one races I watch, it's like, Oh, there's Max Verstappen out in the front. Mm-hmm. 
the whole race yeah. or you know lewis hamilton or you know whatever yeah uh and it was kind of like i don't know trying just trying to see who's gonna who's gonna catch it at the right time uh, mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know how to describe that uh the, no. the momentum is there uh-huh. but like <laughs> yeah you can only I, visualize it yeah i mean it's it's tough because i mean if you don't hit the setup right at, you know i joseph newgarden said it in his um in his post-race interview that like they went the wrong way on adjustments in that middle stint and that's part of why Pato just took off from everyone is because he went the wrong way. And like, if, if there's no yellow for Felix Rosenquist and then later, you know, Stingray, Rob and whoever, um, and Devlin and Ray Hall, like that Pato wins by a mile, yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> he's got eight seconds on the field. Like it's yeah. going to be going to be hard to beat, but yeah. Um, I did want to talk about the Stingray Rob crash cause yeah. I didn't quite understand how it happened. Mm-hmm. Um, like how does he end up in the wall? He he got into the wall in one and two. Okay. And from what Townsend Bell and James Hinchcliffe were saying, it sounded like something broke after he made initial contact. And he was just kind of riding the wall. And then on the back stretch, it like completely broke. And that's why he turned hard left and smacked the inside wall like that. Okay. Well, I feel for Stingray Rob because he just doesn't he's not he's having a rough go of it yeah uh but i still yeah it's they i noticed they said his suspension broke but i thought his suspension might have broken like if he nipped the wall or something yeah yeah i think that is what happened it was back yeah. in one and two and yeah but yeah he is having a tough start to the year i mean the couple of guys are i mean he's not the only yeah. one he's, he's crashed twice go. yeah devlin twice grosjean twice yeah, I guess that's probably it. I guess Rosenquist didn't have a great day either, but yeah, Rosenquist uh, isn't even on my radar. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, like, and and I mean, maybe do you think he's gonna? Maybe he'll perform uh, at some point in the season. But I mean, he was running right around the edge of the top ten there for most of it. I mean, obviously, he wasn't on the same planet as Pato, which yeah. I mean, I mean, Rosenquist is—he's a good driver. He's won a race before, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he was good in Formula E too before he came over to IndyCar, and he was good in Indy Lights back when it was Indy Lights. Like Chip Ganassi was like scouting him out and kind of holding out for him for a long time, and then finally got him to come. And he was there for two years and then bailed for McLaren. But um, yeah, since he's been there, it's not been not been great. Um, yeah, I liked uh, one quote about uh, Pato, which uh-huh. was, "You're gonna have to reckon." with this young Mexican, <laughs> the way, <laughs> the way the announced, the way the commentator said it, it rhymed. And I was like, he's going for that Texan. Yeah. Texan draw. Yeah. It was one of those classic moments where you're like, Oh, I, I want that, you know, on a t-shirt, um, <laughs> but your boy, uh, Colton Herta got up in the lead for like, you know, half a lap. Uh, do you yeah. think that's a good, good sign for, uh, for Indy? Um, I think so. I mean, he, I mean, he's, Past couple of years, he's been competitive here for the most part. Although maybe, yeah, he last year he was up there. Uh, there was one year where he wrecked. He kind of dove in on Dixon a little too late, and they wrecked um, and kind of caught some heat for that. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think it's good news. I mean, it definitely Andretti definitely had some speed between him and and Grosjean, so I, I think um, it's a good sign and. 
I mean, last week it wasn't his fault. You know, yeah. he was right up there. So a couple of things go differently. And I mean, if willpower doesn't punt him, it's St. Pete. I mean, he's, you know, probably top 10 and or top five, maybe in, in points. Probably. Um, so yeah, I, th- I still, I guess there's no double points this year, so it, it can't totally change based on the 500, but I mean, it's, we're two races in, we got a long mm-hmm. way to go. Yeah. And a top 10 after two races isn't the worst place to be. Yeah. what do you think of, um, uh, Sato's crash? Cause I, he crashed here last year, didn't he? Like he, it was similar. He crashed like very early on. Uh, you know, I don't remember. I, I don't, I don't even feel like I saw Sato's crash actually. Like what it, was he just in one and two? It's kind of same thing as Stingray Rob. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he just ended up in the wall. Um, but he's one of the only, he's like an oval only guy, right? Yeah. Now he is. Um, yeah. he, I mean, he's old, you know, he's got to be almost 50. And it's I mean, he's be harder to run oval. So I would think. Yeah. Um, but the body. The, I, I'm sure it is. Well, maybe not necessarily. I mean, you're taking more G's more consistently. So that part's definitely going to be tougher. But mm. I mean, you're only turning the wheel one way, you know, and you're not, yeah. it's not back and forth. You're just taking it in the same direction the entire time. Um, But I think experience is a huge, especially in like setups and stuff. Mm-hmm. And just the speed, especially... Like it, it's one thing at like Gateway or Iowa where they're they're really running the same speeds as you are on a on a fast road course, kind of mm. at the top end. Obviously, it's more consistent top speed, but I think that speed difference. Uh, obviously, I don't know. I've never been in an Indy car at two hundred fifteen miles an hour, so yeah. I don't know for sure. But I think it's like a different. It, it it'd be something interesting to look into. You know, like average age of oval winners versus road course winners and you know yeah i wish that i wish that was easily accessible um and maybe it is somewhere um i mean i do know that the the youngest winner of all time is colton herda at circuit the circuit of the americas in 2019 and he was like 18 something mm-hmm. and before that it was graham ray hall and that was at saint pete and that was in 2008 um and he was 19 maybe yeah um, but that was his, it was technically, he was technically a rookie, which we haven't gotten into all the champ car cart stuff. <laughs> do you want to talk about it? I have no idea what it is. No, we're not going to do it. So basically there was IndyCar and then in 1996, it split into two series. That's the like absolute basic. That's right. The schism. We, yeah. We yeah, talked we, about that a little bit, but briefly touched on it. Yes. The schism. Um, mm-hmm. Tony George nailed his 95 pieces to the Goda (laughs) (laughs) or at that time, the control tower. Anyway, um, Graham Ray Hall started out in champ car. So there was the, uh, the Indy racing league and then cart Mm -hmm. and cart was all of the current chassis, engine suppliers, drivers, teams, um, and then they kept running ovals and road and street courses. IRL was for one year, they used all the old cart equipment, um, but then established their own formula and it was all oval racing. This was entirely open wheel oval racing. And um, they split for a while. And I mean, obviously that if imagine if the AL and the NL 
mm-hmm. did not play in the World Series anymore. Yeah. Essentially like that. Like <laughs> it's like you had two leagues and there was no and like all the best teams were still in cart and you had guys and there was literally a dentist that was <laughs> racing in the Indy 500 in an IRL car. Um Dr. Jack Miller, he drove the Crest toothpaste car. Nice. Yes. One of my favorite cars of all time. <laughs> Dr. Jack Miller, the racing dentist. He he's in he's still a practicing dentist somewhere. I, I don't know if it's Carmel or wherever, but his car is or at least parts of the car I think are like in his office. I've yeah. heard or well, I'm sure it. he you think he's like living off of that? Like he you know when you like they lean back in the dentist chair and they've got sometimes they'll have like a something up there like a uh-huh. cloud or something you think they just got like that race that that indy 500 race just on loop well i don't think he did super well so probably not <laughs> i mean he it's wasn't like, hey, yeah. he wasn't very good um like yeah he's a dentist yeah i mean he like <laughs> ran in his like he raced like he was like a short track racer in his spare time i would imagine but like sure. you only got so many hours in the day and I'm a firm believer that, like, if you keep putting in the hours, you're just going to keep getting better. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And you can't do that when you're, you know, filling cavities. <laughs> yes, that's very true. Yeah. When you're spending your time at your dental practice, you're probably not <laughs> becoming a better racer. But um, this is way, way off topic. I was not planning on getting into this at all. Well, we're here now. <laughs> yes, we are. So we might as well just keep going. But IRL kept going, cart kept going, cart had all the best teams, best drivers. Like I said, IRL had guys like Jack Miller, kind of nobodies that were running sprint cars and midget cars and just short track, short oval drivers, um, kind of from the USAC vein, which is dirt tracks and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, they kept going their separate ways. Cart gradually got less and less dependent on ovals and, the IRL, the Indy Racing League, was all ovals still at that point. Um, and then I think it was 2003, maybe? Cart went bankrupt. And it 2001, well, 2000, Chip Ganassi was a cart team. And they came and ran in the Indy 500 and won the Indy 500 with Juan Montoya. Um, team Penske was still a cart team. And 2001 came back to the Indy 500, just ran one off mm-hmm. and won the Indy 500. There's also... Uh, Team Green, which is his sense evolved into. It's now Andretti Autosport. They came over in 2001 and ran the Indy 500. Um, And then in 2002 and 2003, they just all moved back over to the Indy Racing League. And Mm -hmm. Cart tanked um, and went bankrupt, I think, in 2003. From that uh, evolved Champ Car, which was essentially the same thing as Cart, but it was just, it had a new name because it was a new entity. Um, Yep. And the IRL changed, still the same series, you know, all the same people. Um, because Cart owned the, like, the trademark IndyCar, mm. IRL couldn't use that. So that's why it was the IRL. Then they started calling themselves the IndyCar series. But by the end of 2007, Champ Car was struggling. I mean, IndyCar was struggling too. Um, they weren't in the best spot. The car counts were way down and... Um, Honda was the only engine supplier. Uh, you know, things weren't doing, things weren't great. Yeah. Um, but then in 2008, Champ Car and the IndyCar series merged again. Um, 
But in 2007, back to what we were originally talking about, <laughs> Graham Rahal ran the 2007 season in Champ Car in like the last year. And so also Will Power was in there. He was like a young, maybe one or two years in. Simon Pagano, who at that at that time was Simone Pagano. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think if there's any other guys that are still around. Um, Sebastian Bourdais, who's run a, you know, in the last couple of years, he was he he won four champ car titles in a row, and was like the dominant team um, for a while there. Um, and then he actually went over. He got a ride in Formula One at Toro mm-hmm. Rosso and didn't do so well and came back. But, um, yeah, <laughs> I was not planning on that at all. But well, it's a good breakdown because there is context in history. Like you know, yeah. I. I well, Power looks like a nice young man to me still. Uh, I don't know how old he is. So He's he's on the older side. He's got to be over 40 yeah. for sure. Um, um, uh, other quick aside related um, to, to the whole cart champ car thing. In 2003, cart tried to run at Texas. I don't know if you saw any of this online in the lead up to the race this week. Um, because it was 20 years ago, people no. were talking about it again. But... Um, Cart tried to run at Texas and the G's were so high. They were running like over 230 miles an hour on a one and a half mile, 24 degree or whatever, 18 degree banked turns. And guys were like starting to black out from the G's in the turns. Yeah. And like getting dizzy. And so they canceled the race. (laughs) And that's how much more powerful and like, crazy those cars were than the IndyCar series cars. They just were I mean another level. You say that, but it's like it is only 20 miles an hour faster. It's like what 10% faster, right? Than what they were doing now. Um yeah, but when you're like blacking out, well I yes. Feel, like it's gotta feel different. Even that I'm sure even the difference between 210 and 220 is like night and day. Yeah. Uh maybe, maybe, but like regardless, these guys are still they're closer to walking that line than you would think. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, which is nuts. Uh, you yeah. gotta have incredible, uh, just like composure to be able to do this. Uh, and you also have to be kind of a little bit insane. I would say more than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot, a lot insane. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit more. Yeah. yeah um, for sure. I mean, if someone like, I don't like going like, I don't know, maybe I'm a risk averse driver. I don't like going like over 90, um, most of the time, Oh, me either, but my car is also a piece of crap. So, uh, yeah. Um, but part of it's like, you know, this thing could, you know, (laughs) I don't know know if she can take it. (laughs) No, we, I, we both drive Hyundais and I don't think there's any, you know, question out there, especially cheap Hyundais. Hyundai's got their end line stuff now. Who knows if that's any actually any good? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. I don't think anyone, anyone with half a brain would be like, I want to get this Hyundai to <laughs> ninety miles an hour. Well, things shaking. I mean, the <laughs> wheels are you know narrow and yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. I mean, I have fourteen inch tires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't want to be messing around with that. Yeah. Um 
Yeah. It, does it even have airbags? Does your car have airbags? <laughs> why why wear a seatbelt? Um got a rope? This <laughs> is rope tied to the corner of the car. Um I, I there was at one point in the race where they were all uh, exchanging the lead like four guys. Um mm-hmm. and they I don't know why this is like a this is like a commentator trait I would say. They're like, oh, uh, you know, the guy from Nashville, the man from Illinois, <laughs> the French-born Swissman. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it was a little over the top. I don't know. I I noticed it too, especially the the kid from Illinois or whatever they said about Malikas. Like, yeah, it was cool to see him up there, though. I mean, oh, it was. Yeah, yeah. he like, got bailed out. Did you hear that on the coverage at all? Like, what, he he straight up forgot. Like he didn't. He yeah, didn't he missed, missed the, the call or you know whatever, <laughs> and got bailed out with another yellow. Yeah, but yeah, it was good to see him up there. He was he's yeah. competitive. Nice, a local boy for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but well, like technically I, for me too. I'm from yeah, up there. I guess. Oh, yeah, you're an indie now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, you're you're a Hoosier over there. I was born I was born in Indiana, but I'm I lost my Hoosierdom. Don't um, don't say to people around here that i'm a hoosier because they would not appreciate that yeah Yeah. is that an offensive term still (laughs) well it's offensive to claim you're a hoosier and not like from because from indiana when i was growing up people would be like oh you're freaking hoosier uh because i lived (laughs) on like the southern like i live like 15 minutes from the border Mm -hmm. um you know, it's like up in Illinois. This is totally not related. No, I'll, I'll but... get off this. But yeah, they, they call you a fib, you know, effing Illinois bastard. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I got it on both ends. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Yeah, it was it... kind of fun to see them call out all of the origins of these people yeah. in a matter of a minute. I, you know. <laughs> it, it It's... Uh... It kind of reduces a lot of them to very, you know, vain characteristics. But I do do think that's a way to get people connected to certain drivers. Like, are you going to be more prone to root for David Malukas because he's from Chicago? Yeah. Like, I I mean, I knew that because I watched last year's race. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for him more. Like, it'd be cool to see him win. Well, did you know Dale Coyne Racing is also, I guess it's not in Chicago, but it's Chicago based team. Yeah, no idea. It's right off 55. I can't remember what town that is, but it's 55 kind of going towards Joliet. Okay. Down there. Yeah. Yeah, A little bit south. I don't go that way that often. Yeah. Um, I don't know why you would go that way, but. um, Well, I mean, if back in the day, Joliet Speedway, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it it was pretty funny and, you know, uh, it's kind of cool having that local connection. I had mm-hmm. some people yesterday night ask me like, Oh, you're going to stay up for the F1 race. Mm-hmm. And I, it was the first time where I was like, you know, I'll catch it, but like, I'm not going to stay up. I'm more excited for the IndyCar race. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I'm starting to care less and less about at least this season of F1 is just, it's going to be Red Bull. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like over already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it pretty much is. It, it's where it's like IndyCar. It's like every race matters. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I don't understand. I, I think they're, you know, people don't watch it because they, they don't know what's around. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just, there isn't the drama around it. Uh, that the, that I mean, there, survive created. there is, there's on track drama for sure. I mean, oh, I think yeah. today proved that more than anything else. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, they definitely need to work on it. Hopefully 100 Days to Indy addresses that to some degree, but that interpersonal drama that F1 is so good well, at. Well, yeah, and it's you might not get these might be not be the most dedicated racing fans. Like, you know, they're not, they might not know the strategy. They might not understand like how this car is different from last year's car, but they're still going to be watching. And, you know, it's like when an opposing team's fan base comes into your stadium, they're still, Hey, they're still buying the beer. Yeah. They're still paying for the salaries of the players or whatnot. Um, So, and it works too, I think, because like you think about a baseball team, if, you can love the socks and not know like how to throw a curveball. You know yeah. what I mean? Or I like, don't know. Like, I mean, I do, but like not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like, you know, what the, the signs are for pitches or like what a yeah. shift is or, you know, stuff like that. You don't need to know. I mean, it's, did the socks win today? Like, yeah. Or did the socks score runs? Yeah. Did that's the same thing with, with racing, you know, it's like, yeah. Who won? Yeah. Well, and like, F1, you're essentially you pick a driver and you're pick you're rooting for that driver or a team. Mm-hmm. But like that's all you care about because there doesn't really need to be anything else. And you're invested in that driver or team before you're invested in the actual substance of the racing. Yeah. Um, which I don't know. I I I don't know if that's like a uniquely I guess it's not because NASCAR is the same way. I mean, you think about people who are oh, yeah. still obsessed with Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. Like diehards. Dale Earnhardt is, has been dead for over 20 years and is still the most famous other than maybe Jeff Gordon mm-hmm. is the most famous NASCAR driver to this day. So I guess it's not then. I guess IndyCar just needs to get, get it together. <laughs> well, uh, just got to figure out how to pitch it differently. I don't yeah. Know. Um, yeah. And maybe it is meant to be two different crowds. I don't know. It is. There's like a nice little niche bubble. Yeah. Or, uh, like I'm yet to meet a, a fellow IndyCar fan. Uh, in Few the and far between. Yeah. I'm... Like on the streets that, you know, it's kind of rare. I'll, I might see like a t-shirt or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go up to that guy and be like, hey, so what'd you think of the PPG 375? You should. You should go up to that guy. <laughs> maybe I will. Uh, did you, have you, have you checked out my pockets? <laughs> Be that guy right away. Um, <laughs> nah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a different fandom, man. Uh, yeah. and, uh, it goes back for me to like, just this, there's like a pureness. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like doesn't have all the hubbub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sure you'll feel even stronger about that when you get down here for for pole day when you yeah. see them you've been to, you've been to the track you've seen them on the road course but when you see them going 230 miles an hour it's totally different yeah like you you will you will be blown away you will <laughs> yeah and i you think about too i mean it's getting people to racetrack i think is the other part of it it's just i got into it because i went as a kid you know mm-hmm. what was your first race my first race was at Chicagoland in 2001 down in Joliet. Mm. Um, Jacques Lazier won. That was that was his only career win. He was in. He was driving the the um, the team Menard car, the blue team Menard. I think he took over for Greg Ray that year. Um, he was just subbing in. That's not, like I said, only career win. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember if it was like super close. My dad got tickets from work, I think, and we went with my uncle and cousin. And nice. Yeah. 
that was my first race. And then next year, my dad had gone up to the Milwaukee mile every year with some guys from work. Um, and that was a cart race at that point. And that was my second race. And then 2003 was my first Indy 500. And, but I was going to pole day before that. And yeah. that was, I think my first one was 98. My first yeah. pole day. Got to dip your toes, you know? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I would have loved to be at Texas. I'm I'm hoping I can hit a few races this year. Um, yeah. It's just a matter of scheduling yeah. and planning. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I saw a while back someone on Twitter, I can't remember who it was. Um, they like added up all of the, if, if you wanted to buy a ticket to every race for the entire season, uh, it would be cheaper than a, like the cheapest ticket to the Vegas F1 race. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah. Um, especially like, I'm, I know Vegas is going to be expensive, but it's not oh, like, yeah. um, It'll be a cool race, I'm sure, but like, yeah. uh, you know, I, uh, well, it's also going to start at like 1 a.m. East Coast. Like, it's not even going to be like a good TV window. What annoying. Like, uh, maybe it's not 1 a.m., but it's pretty yeah. late. Yeah. That's real late. Yeah. Um, but I guess the sun, I don't know when the sun sets out there, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited, man. I think there's going to be a lot of, a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, yeah. And I hope I can get it out. Like going and seeing a race in person. I gotta I keep reminding myself of that. It's just totally different than watching it on TV. Yeah. Uh there's good and bad to both. Yeah. But well it's too bad they don't race at Chicagoland down in Juliet anymore. Cause that was a very similar experience. I would have I've never been to Texas. I've never I I've wanted to go forever. Like I said, that was one of my formative IndyCar experiences. But um Chicagoland was a very similar style of racing. It's a mile and a half D-shaped oval, side-by-side racing, tons of close finishes. Like I think like three of the top five closest IndyCar finishes are all at Chicagoland. Why is it out? Uh I think NASCAR owns it, maybe. I can't remember. Uh, I don't it I think the last year they were there is like 2009 or 2010. Yeah. I can't remember. Um Joliet yeah. owns it, man. I don't it needs all the events they can get. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, there it might be on its way out. Actually, they were yeah. talking about. I think it's the land is on the market to be redeveloped. I know they were having some motocross race down there this year. Um, mm-hmm. There's also the drag strip right over there, but um, I don't know if that's still active anymore either. But yeah, I was out there for Blues Brothers Con at the old Juliet Prison. <laughs> uh, last summer and that was a blast they should uh, coordinate they should have an indycar race with blues brothers con i would i would lose my mind <laughs> that would be so cool and they could the pace car could be the cruiser like, yeah blues the, the blues mobile yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right why do we have to why why are we the creatives behind this i mean come on guys put it together joel i mean yeah that's they should have thought of that a million years ago. I'm sure they have. <laughs> it's not like they're trying to make the city uh, crumble. Yeah. 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 And well, anything else you wanted to talk about? No, nah, uh, you know, Pagano, he's my predictor. Kind of oh, random, yeah. mostly random, I'd say, but I like, you know. Um, but yeah, he, he, you know, didn't really show up today. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of sad. Uh, overall, though, still very happy with the race. 
Yeah. Uh, looking forward to Long Beach in two weeks. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's always a good one. There were a couple guys that just didn't show up today, and it was kind of disappointing. I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. I heard. I don't think they mentioned Ed Carpenter's name. Um, I think they briefly showed Renus VK at one point. Yeah. Um, Callum Eilat finished ninth, and I don't think they showed him once. Or even I saw his him. uh, saw his little face pop up down there at the bottom. <laughs> okay, um, so they did talk about him. Yeah, I don't. It. You know, I don't know. You know, no offense to him uh, or his fans, but. I, I don't like I don't like the way he looks. <laughs> that he looks I mean that's every single British guy that's run an indie car in the last yeah, like it's got like a years. very yeah yeah other than Nigel know. Mansell with the big thick stash he's a young kid he'll grow into his face but yeah um right now I'll I'll still judge him for that and quiet yeah so one name I was happy. Well, uh, Connor Daly too. I, that was disappointing. I was hoping for a better week for him. Um, but one person I was not disappointed to not hear about was Santino Ferrucci. Yeah, I, I no no driver gets talked about more for like backdoor top tens. Like yeah, he he doesn't. I mean, credit to him, he does not wreck the car. Hardly ever. I mean, I guess he did and. Yeah, in St. Pete, but <laughs> um, but I mean that I, that was the first time in a long time I think that he didn't wasn't running at the end, but like he rarely ever is making impressive on track passes. Yeah, he, he kind of blew up in the Indy 500 one year because there was a wreck in front of him and he like cut across the grass to avoid the uh, to avoid the wreck. Like yeah. it, it wasn't like full speed. He just like. It was a it was a good move, but it wasn't like he was passing cars out of yeah, like pure skill, like out driving people. Like he just made no. a good decision at a good time. Yeah. And kind of got lucky, probably. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like he cut in front <laughs> of someone that, that easily could have just turned him. Like yeah. it, he and then he just blew up because Dale Earnhardt Jr. was like a guest commentator, and so he was talking about him, and everyone was like, Oh, Dale Jr. loves Santino Ferrucci. He's you know. He's Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s Look favorite at, driver. Just, I mean, if you think I don't like I lot, a lot, I don't know. If you think I don't like the way he looks, you just got to times that by 10 for Ferrucci. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page because I cannot stand the guy. He's, he's, he's driving insane. He looks very annoying. Um, you know, like he's going to tell you he's an IndyCar driver. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, he's not. He, he's going to tell you he has money. Yeah, <laughs> that's the vibe I get. That's <laughs> um, that's how. So I... they they did move the race up an hour, uh, and we oh, lost yeah, any yeah. of the pre race talk, which I normally enjoy. Yeah. Um. Uh. Good, just especially as someone who's new, uh, it yeah. kind of educates me, and um, especially when it's been a month since the last race, like <laughs> some refreshers would have been nice. I mean, I know it's not. Yeah, it was kind of out of their control, but. Yeah, so they don't. Yeah, they don't race with rain. Um, yeah, so no bulls, no rain. Yeah. That's kind of that makes sense to me. But also, mm-hmm. like, let's just try it. <laughs> let's just crash and kill everyone. Yeah, um, <laughs> that would be the one and only time to try. It. <laughs> I don't know, but it was it was a nice early start. Um, I don't know. It was, any any thoughts? Do you think the race would have gone differently if uh, they started an hour later? Um. It might have been interesting with rain potentially coming because 
if it's past halfway and it starts raining, if they can't granted Texas has lights. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's past halfway, they can make it an official race. So if it rains and they don't think they can get the race restarted again that day, if it's, you know, lap 175 out of 250 and it starts raining, whoever's leading at lap 175 wins the race. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when you have rain coming like that, I mean, it kind of works the same way on road and street courses when it's, you know, when do we make the switch to the wets or the intermediates? Um, but you get guys like staying out trying to save fuel to catch the rain and, you know, hopefully just sneak one in there at the last second. Yeah. You know, trying to time your pit stops right when you think the rain's going to be there. And if it if it shows up at that point and mm. if they throw the yellow at that point, if it's sprinkling like you'll if it if there's any sense of even a mist the guy in the lead will immediately be like it's pouring it is pouring down rain we need to end the race (laughs) right now and then everyone in back is like there's not a single drop of water on this track anywhere i don't think it's raining within 50 miles of the track right now (laughs) so it's it's always fun to seeing that kind of stuff uh and hearing them talking on the radio yeah they always go and they zoom in on the on the timing stand and show them looking at the radar on their computers trying to yeah calls based on that. So we might have gotten some of that, but I wouldn't take that over what we got. In no, my no. opinion, I, I can understand that. That was it was just so exciting all around, man. Yeah. Um definitely uh, edge of your seat kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was a great race for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Long Beach and yeah. then. uh you know, maybe uh, next weekend we'll do a little bit of a Long Beach, Long Beach preview. Yeah, so. sounds good. Cool. Well, is that all you got? That's all I got, sir. Awesome. Well, thank you all for tuning in again to 16th Street Scanner. If you want to get a hold of us, shoot us an email at 16streetpod at gmail.com. Or you can tweet at us at 16streetpod. Both of those, it's one six, the numerals at the beginning of both the email address and the Twitter handle. Um, also, if you feel so inclined, leave us a review, subscribe to us on Spotify or our Substack. I think that's about it. And uh, just as always, shout out to Penny Wishes for the theme song. We will catch you next week. Cheers. Bye. Who's gonna win it?